Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Toucan Abroad podcast, where we have conversations with our alumni and professionals in the international education field about their experiences studying abroad and working in this dynamic field. I'm Abby Olabala, the program manager at TEP, and I will be your host for today. It is my pleasure to introduce our guest today, Dr. Jonathan Warner. Dr. Warner is Professor Emeritus at Quest University in Canada and is also a non-resident research associate with the Von Hugel Institute at Cambridge University. He has taught at numerous institutions around the world, including Eastern Mediterranean University in North Cyprus, American University in Kyrgyzstan, Dort College in Northwestern Iowa, at the Russian American Christian University in Moscow, and in the Creation Care Study, Abro Study Program in Belize. Dr. Warner has also been a research fellow of the Center for Faith and Human Flourishing at LCC International University in Lithuania since 2017. His research interests are in the economics of development, the role of religion and economics, and in the nature of money and monetary substitutes. Dr. Warner, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show today. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much. So, as I mentioned, you have had quite the amazing career as a professional all over the world. Um, since our introduction to you was through, um, here at TP was through your work at Quest University, um, can you share with our listeners more about the work you did, did there at Quest? Yes, quite, I'm going to put in a plug for Quest here probably. Uh, it's a new university in British Columbia in Canada, just north of Vancouver. And it was founded um, just over a decade ago now. It's now in its 12th year of taking in students. And it was a response by the former head of the University of British Columbia to try to put right everything he thought was wrong with undergraduate education at a big research university. Um, so before I joined, he'd got together a team of six founding faculty who thought about what a university ought to be like and what um, subjects they wanted to teach and came up with an innovative program. Now the relevance of this is two things. Firstly, um, the innovative parts were instead of teaching um, on a semester system where you do three or four or five courses at once for a whole semester, uh, they decided to adopt the block program whereby you do one course for three and a half weeks, have a long weekend to recover and then go on to um, another course. Now, of course, that fits really well with something like coming to Belize. So when I first started thinking about doing a course in Belize, I thought, well, why do we need to stay in the classroom in Canada at all, given that in February, at least, the weather is much nicer in Belize. So let's go and spend the whole block down in Belize. Oh, and by the way, you can take the break before and after if you want to stay on and go swimming, exploring or snorkeling or whatever in Belize. So it seemed a really good fit for that. So that was one innovation that really encourages field trips. Secondly, the innovation was instead of having a major like um, almost all other universities, Quest instead helps you develop a question. And then you seek to take courses guided by a mentor, as we call them, to take, uh, take courses to explore that question. You're not supposed to answer it. So big, broad questions like what is love or what is sustainable community development are ones that are going to be too broad to give a simple answer to. If you can answer your question, in effect, the, the idea of discovery and learning and uh, interdisciplinary subjects has uh, got lost. 
So what you're supposed to do, and most students rise to this challenge, is to do interesting stuff to help them with their questions. So again, using Belize was a great way to get students doing some very, very different things to work together and individually on particular projects. So when I've run the courses in Belize, I've encouraged students to come up with their own projects that they want to undertake. To do that properly means you've got to know something about Belize before you go and what's possible there. And secondly, you've got to do the hard work of trying to fit um, things together to help you with your question. Um, the first time I came, actually, two very good um, final projects um, drew on what happened in Belize, the undergraduate thesis equivalent. One was on water supply, the other one was on the possibility of solar power. And uh, the students that produced those uh, did, went on to do very interesting things after they graduated. So that's what Quest is like. Uh, it's a small institution, uh, only about 800 students. And um, the courses that the students take uh, tend to be ones that encourage interdisciplinary research. So I taught at foundation level. The foundation is the first two years where students basically are taking more or less the same subjects. Um, a foundation course in political economy, which was economics, but economics within the context of social science rather than just sort of stuff you need to know for business, which is where it often is at some universities. Um, and then higher level courses in economics, some of the more technical stuff, but then also some interdisciplinary courses, um, one on ecological and environmental economics. So looking at environmental problems through the lens of economics and why that might work and when it might not work. And then students also have a number of courses that they have to take. Uh, the introductory um, course, the first block that they're at Quest, um, called uh, Cornerstone, I taught. That's really sort of summer camp meets university and what's Quest all about. So you get a little sample of every type of course that we teach in that, and that helps you then work out what you want to do. Um, and then at the end of the second year, of course, I've also taught um, called Your Question, which is where students have a block to compile the question that they want to explore, having um, got some basics in the foundation course, had some other experiences that they might have had uh, that would help inform that and, and their choice. And then they spend two years working on the question, finishing with an undergraduate thesis or uh, keystone as it's called, um, and then that's all put together in the block before they graduate. Um, so that's roughly how Quest works and, and my role in it. Uh, also, Quest was very keen that uh, students shouldn't spend all their time in the classroom. So they were encouraged to uh, spend blocks off campus. So Belize qualified for that. But also, if you wanted to learn a language, for example, then um, rather than staying at home and learning French or Spanish, uh, students got innovative and said, well, we'd like to learn all sorts of other languages. And the best way to do that was to go to the country where that is an official language and go and learn it there. In fact, some students got inventive and put it the other way around. Where would I like to go? What part of the world would I like to go? What language do they speak? And, oh dear, they don't teach that at Quest. In fact, they don't teach it at any of our partner institutions, so I'd have to go to that country. So I think um, 
a couple of students decided they wanted to learn Hindi as a result and to go to India to do it. What a shame, but they, they loved it, of course. Um, other things that students would do is they needed to do an experiential learning off campus in almost all cases. Again, that was a great opportunity to travel to um, another country um, to, to do that. So one of the students who did come on my first Belize trip um, wanted to work in Nepal at um, children's homes and that really changed the way that she viewed the world and so um, after she graduated looking at poverty which was the original thing she decided that uh, what she wanted to do was become a teacher and teach in Montessori education so um, students do all sorts of wonderful things after that now um, in addition to the field trips type courses and the experiential learning. Students might also go to other universities around the world that were our partner institutions to study there. The net result of this is unusually something like 80 or 90 percent of students at Quest do spend time in another country on some sort of activity like that, um, which I think the average for North American universities is 10 percent or yeah or lower. Yeah. Um, does this work? Well, in a way, the jury's still out. Um, but certainly, if you look at the NESI results, the National Survey of Student Engagement, Quest is at the top, or almost at the top, in every category that's reported. And um, I'll send a link to the the claims article when we we finish this that yeah, might be posting to give you that information. Um, so that's what what it's like. So Quest is a fascinating and exciting place to teach. Campus is very nice as well. Up halfway up a mountain in BC um, and um, I thoroughly enjoyed the time that I was there. The only problem is when you're doing a block program you own the students 24-7 so there's no complaint I've got to write an essay for another class so I can't do what you uh, have asked me to do but the downside of that is they own you 24-7 <laughs> as well and it becomes exhausting come block break as the students said this is a time to sleep and do laundry um, for faculty, it was, well, sleep, but then also having to grade papers for the last block and work out what you're going to do for the next block sometimes became very, very tiring. And, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. So very intense, but great fun. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting model. I, I'd never heard of it before. And like, as you were talking, I was thinking, huh, I wonder what my question would be. <laughs> if yeah. I decide, you know, if I did that as an undergrad, thinking back to when I was 18. <laughs> what would have been my question? But I love how it enables students to have that chance to, you know, study abroad. Because as you mentioned, like 80, 90% of the students, that's amazing versus the, you know, the lower percentage for a lot of other institutions. Now the students get to see the world and you know, just mm. become the global citizen that we hope they all become, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So I know that for your trip um, that you led to Belize, you focused on sustainable community development. Mm -hmm. So can you delve a little bit more into what this is? Yes, the reason I um, called the course that, um, in, at Quest, we always called it the Belize course, because <laughs> that was much easier than the, the, the mouthful of sustainable community development. The reason it became that was that 
as you mentioned in the introduction, before I went to Quest, I was teaching on the Creation Care Study Program, um, which is a Christian uh, program for students looking at issues of um, community and to some extent uh, the way that uh, Belize is developing. So it's a development sort of uh, semester abroad program. Um, I thought, well, if the students that uh, are coming from the US primarily for that uh, get this benefit and this wonderful opportunity to study in Belize, why can't I do that with my own students at Quest? Um, Creation Care Study Programme had uh, as one of its courses a uh, course in economics. Um, on sustainable community development and I was invited to teach that twice um, certainly not more than twice several times uh, while the time that the program was was fully active uh, it was interesting when I was suggested for that because having an economist doing the course was thought to be a little worrying because wouldn't I just want to chop down all the, the, the lumber and sell it off and so maximize the GDP of, of Belize so I had to convince them that I wasn't that sort of economist and the course actually for me was a very good fit because I'd become interested, again, as you mentioned in the introduction, into um, the capabilities approach to development, i.e. what really matters. It's not just income, it's what you can do with the resources that are available to you and how can we enhance people's quality of life uh, by giving them the resources that they need. So in terms of the role in Lithuania, the um, Centre for um, Faith and Human Flourishing, the same sort of questions arise. Well, how can people's lives be enhanced? Um, just throwing money at problems doesn't seem to be terribly effective. Uh, so how can we use what resources we've got to enable people and empower people to live the lives that they want to lead? lead? So um, if you're a rich country, it's obviously much easier, but of course you get some people who have um, problems. So in Canada, the concern would be what about mental health, homelessness, inequality, um, and some rough areas of Vancouver, you could see some of the problems that you'd more likely expect in a poorer country. Um, in Belize, yeah, you would meet people with all sorts of different um, life stories. And one great thing we found there was if we could travel by bus, because the official language is English, and most people do speak pretty good English in Belize, then you could quite easily get into conversation with people and find out all sorts of interesting things about what was going on in the country and what was going on in their lives that um, you couldn't actually use because of um, restrictions on privacy and uh, getting people's conformed consent for quoting them and so forth. But it would certainly give you some indications of the types of things that were interesting people and what they thought um, needed to be done or not done as the case may be. Um, the environment bit, the, um, the uh, sustainability uh, comes about by thinking well yeah if you're not going to chop down all your trees and sell them off to increase your GDP what are you going to do? How are you going to maintain your environment? And Belize is a great place for studying that given the large amount of land which is given over um, to some sort of protected status the, the barrier reef um, and the relatively low population, giving a low population density, which means that um, conservation is feasible rather than having to um, increase the 
um, amount of land under urban sprawl. So this means then that um, we would look at things like, well, what's happening with the cruise ship industry, a big issue um, 15 years ago at least, and in Cayo district, what about the um, Spanish lookout effects, the Mennonites and the farmland and the way that um, things were developing there? Is this good? Is this um, helping advance the country? But yeah, but at what expense? Are you adopting um, values and ideas that come from abroad that you take on inappropriately? I had another student who was very interested in Belize cuisine and wondered why um, the Creole population particularly was interested in things that were not traditionally native to that part of the world. So um, milk, why milk? Why drink milk? Um, why <laughs> were the national dishes seeming to be aping what the British col colonial people put in as uh, major cuisine? So fascinating questions like that. Um, and with sustainability, are these types of um, activities really sustainable or are you depleting your uh, resources by doing so? So that was the, the, the basis of the course there. And this was looked at from a Christian perspective. What does uh, the Bible say about this? How do humankind made in the image of God go about stewarding creation? Um, for Quest students, the same sort of thing. They were very, very interested in trying to save the world, as we, we put it. And they could do that either through saving the environment or doing something about community. So again, the course fit, seemed to fit quite well with the things that would work with them. Um, the way that the course was organized was to try and get a lot of different experiences in Belize and then reflect upon them and then use those experiences and the reflections to build up some knowledge base about what Belize was like, um, boosted by the um, seeing it through their own eyes rather than through my eyes or anybody else's eyes, the people that um, contributed to the programme, um, and then using that into a point to feed into the question that interested them. That's awesome. Um, I guess. Like you kind of answered this before, but why not do the course at Quest? Why did you decide to make it an international, to add that international component and focus on Belize? As I said, um, if it, we were calling it the Belize course, so it would be yeah. so if it didn't actually take place in Belize. Um, and having decided it's going to be in Belize, mm -hmm. then why not have a Belize rather than have people read books in Canada then right. Belize all as a group. Um, so it seemed sensible to have the whole course in Belize. Over my years with CCSP I'd uh, got to know parts of the country. Um, the program was based up in Cayo um, mm. in its early days at uh, Mabitinich, uh, halfway to uh, um, <laughs> Benke. And um, in its later days on the road to San Antonio, just mm -hmm. uh, before Cristo Rey. So I knew that area quite well. There was also, um, we visited the village of Pachacan up in um, Corozal district. Mm -hmm. And uh, they told me that that was quite an experience and one that wasn't usually looked forward to by the people teaching the course because in those days there was no running water. Uh. 
Um, they've been promised. So we got to talking about politics. Well, who promised the water and when's it come and when was the last promise and so on. Um, but uh, the last time I went, it was much better. The water had arrived and uh, the, the village seemed to appreciate, <laughs> quite rightly appreciate that. Um, so I knew bits of the country. Um, what I used um, the time for when I was on in the um, Tukan course was to say, okay, those bits I know and I want to have those in, uh, particularly the Cairo district one, but people obviously are going to want to visit Belize City and the coastal area. Um, and Rondine arranged visits where we stayed in Hopkins, which is a lovely sort of seaside break in the middle of the program. Uh, one year um, we went down to uh, Toledo, uh, another year we went up to Orange Walk, and the idea was you'd explore what was happening economically, environmentally, and community-wise in those particular areas. And um, I think that added to the richness of the course, that it was fairly easy to travel around. And again, that we could talk to people from government ministers, the uh, people in charge of the um, oil drilling around Spanish Lookout, and um, not have any language barrier when we try to discuss these things. Yeah, that's awesome. So looking back on your trip, what do you believe were some of the key takeaways that both you and your students had from the experience? There's just so much because um, for such a small country, Belize has got this wonderful variety of things going on. The, the multi-ethnic nature of the country is something that I, actually most of our students were probably familiar with because Vancouver itself is fairly um, mixed. Uh, there are Chinese areas, um, South Asian areas, Korean areas, um, as well as the traditional um, Scottish, British areas. <laughs> and um, so they were used to that, and Japanese as well there. So to come to Belize and discover the Creoles, the Hispanics, the um, Garifuna, and all the other groups uh, was not too much of a shock, but it, the fact that they were different groups from what they were used to back in, in British Columbia made it more interesting. And uh, they could work out themselves how these various elements within Belizean society blended together to produce what Belize is today. So that's one takeaway. The other takeaway, um, I think, was they learned about the problems that um, developing countries face. What do you do when economic development offers you um, wealth, which you could do a lot of good things with, but has possible environmental questions? This was the reason for the visit to Iguana Creek, to learn about the oil corporation. Um, was this a good thing? Was this the sort of thing that you would do? And we had some fascinating discussions with the, the, the people in charge there, saying why they were doing what they were doing and why the, um, they could control any possibilities of risk. So the students would go being fairly anti the whole idea of oil and come back thinking, hmm, maybe they've got a point. So that was a, a great performance. <laughs> <laughs> thing as well. Um, the cruise ships would be another example of that. Um, the other examples would be things like, yes, conservation of um, land that could be used for settlement or logging. 
um, the problems of land ownership amongst the mine community and in Toledo districts. That was one um, thing that was looking at, worth looking at. The industries in Belize, the sugarcane industry we looked at, um, the banana growing, um, these are producing goods for export, generally considered by economists to be, be good, but are they causing problems for um, Belizean society and Belizean ways of doing things because the stuff is just being exported? What's happening to the, the local market? Um, that comes out also, of course, we once visited the free zone on the Mexican border and then um, visited Pachacan, and people were very ambivalent about that. Okay, it creates jobs, but it's moving people out of the village, first of all. And secondly, it's introducing to things like gambling and so forth that we would be much prefer they had, didn't have the knowledge of, and it was changing the social fabric of society in the name of, econo the name of economic development. So that's where the community aspect comes in, to go back to an earlier question. Um, so students would go away with this mixture of impressions and puzzles and questions about what's happening and not only would they then produce this in their final paper on Belize but it would help them think through what was happening in their own culture and own societies in Canada or the US. Um, what role should um, Native tribe, Native Americans, First Nations in Canada play within um, the infrastructure of the country? Um, the governmental structures, what works, what doesn't. Um, I imagine, um, sorry, I remember once we visited the um, House of House of Parliament in um, Belmapan and saw the setup for the Senate, where one senator, I think, who'd been expelled from his party, his, there was a seat for him, but it was set up right at the side, the naughty seat, we all called it. It, it was a very visual impression of what was happening and the problems that might come about in the way that government operates. So these types of impressions and the ability to apply them back with the things that came out and made the, the program so worthwhile, I think. Yeah, definitely sounds like it. So do you have any advice for faculty or staff developing a study abroad program in any, in sustainable community development or any other field yeah. release? think you really need somebody who can deliver the mechanics of the program. Um, this is where um, TEP became such a wonderful partner for us to do this. Um, we first went uh, in 2012, and I think this was Rondine's first um, time of doing it herself and setting up a program after uh, working for Galen University. So um, I was very much in her hands. I could tell her what I wanted to do from what I knew about Cayo District, but she would make suggestions and add things in and uh, came up with an absolutely brilliant program. Let us see far more than I could. And the great thing was as well, I wondered, okay, and people back in, in Canada were saying, well, this costs money to have a facilitator. Um, while we were um, visiting one place, um, I think the, um, the Mayan Centre down in uh, the Understand Creek, um, we came across a group of students who'd also come from Canada from a new, another university and we got talking about where we were from and I was talking to their professor, they were mixing with the students there and uh, um, we got to questions about well how much is this costing you? And it turned out they were paying um, about I think something like 70% 
of what we were paying, but they were only there one week and we were there for three and a half weeks. So it made me think, yeah, Ron Dean's ability to set up things and negotiate with um, providers of accommodation, meals and all the rest of it meant that we probably got the course cheaper than if I had done it all myself. So this is a no-brainer then, right? We get it cheaper by having a facilitator and we get a much better course by doing so. So that was absolutely brilliant. Um, other things, yeah, it's probably helpful if you know roughly what you want to do. Um, I found found with the three in total, I'd say to Rondine, yeah, I'd like to explore this this time. And she'd say, okay, I'll look at what I can get there. Um, so that gave us Toledo. And then the third and final version, we stayed um, in Orange Walk. And that, I think, was new for Rondine as well. She'd not had many contacts there, but that worked out beautifully as well. And we were able to visit... Um, she was able to arrange for us to visit a second Mennonite colony, not just Spanish Lookout, but Little Belize. And uh, that was a fascinating experience looking at a, a, um, a community that was in transition from the traditional old Mennonite um, uh, horse and cart only type of society towards something that was engaging rather more with the rest of Belize. Uh, Belize's population. So yeah, get yourself a good facilitator wherever you go and uh, have somebody, as TEP is very careful to do, to be on the ground to help with any problems that arise. Um, Belize is sort of easier if you don't have that because the language isn't such a problem, but um, stuff happens and you need a local person that will help get people to the doctors, get people to the pharmacy, um, and what um, Rondine was excellent for was get people contacts with um, people that they want to talk to. The first time we had a, a student who was very much interested in water supplies, I said, and was interested in the way that um, village water schemes operated. So Rondine was able to, able to arrange a meeting with her with the guy who was in charge of the water system in Blackmail Eddy. So um, she let me go with her. We trundled down on the bus and uh, talked to this guy. That was quite interesting. Um, he could understand what we said. Um, she couldn't understand a word he said at <laughs> the time. I could understand just enough to um, interpret. Um, so that was a fascinating cross-cultural experience as well. Um, Rondine's friend who said it had been I think, a nurse in England for a long time, so she was completely comprehensible. But the guy who actually ran the scheme was much oh, more wow. Creole to us. <laughs> yeah. So those are the sorts of things that you need. I could go on forever with, <laughs> with interesting stories, but you probably want to ask some more questions. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's definitely interesting, and thank you. I'm sure it was definitely a pleasure for her. She's told me many times. To assist with your Belize, with the Belize course for Quest University. So, as we wrap up, Dr. Warner, I just want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Um, it was a pleasure chatting with you and learning all about the work um, that you've done with um, Quest and in Belize and just all your fascinating um, mm. teaching experience all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> So, and to our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you join us for our next episode very, very soon. <laughs>